Welcome. First of all, welcome. This is Unsolicited Perspectives, and I'm your host, Bruce Anthony. On today's episode, I'm going to be dilly-dallying a little bit. Yeah, that's right. I could dilly-dally on my own. I don't need my sister. Then we're going to be talking about the Wyoming 14, historical context, and then we're going to be talking about this crazy-ass building that I live in. But first things first. Nonconformity. You know, I model myself after being a nonconformist. I go against typically what everybody else is going towards. I'm just a natural contrarian. I don't like being assimilated in any particular group. I don't like conforming to what people think you should be. I am a person that says, be your authentic and individual self. But there are times where I'm a hypocrite. And one time, one example of a situation where I'm a hypocrite is my cell phone. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I am an iPhone user. Like most of you are here in the States because iPhone is the most, well, actually, it's not the most use phone. It's one of the most popular phones. And the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because iPhone just released a new a new version of their phone, which isn't really different from the last version of the phone. And um, everybody is talking about, are you going to get the new phone? Are you going to get the new phone? I have an iPhone 12 Pro Max. Still works, knock on wood. Um, there is no reason for me to spend the $1,300, $1,500 for a new phone. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, my phone is paid off. It's, you know, it's like when you got a car and you pay it off, you want to hold on to it. You don't want to go get a new car. But I know a lot of people that have went out to got to get the new phone. This is where I could form into what the masses are doing. And Apple's got us by the throat because let us get one of those green bubble texts from an Android user. We are immediately disgusted. I have openly been on the fence with dating certain women and I get that green bubble and I can't deal with it and, and I decide not to date them. That's one of the dumbest freaking reasons not to date somebody, but I must admit it has happened. And why are we like that? It's because we've been tailored, not tailored, tailored isn't the right word. We've been brainwashed into thinking that we need these Apple products because they sink so seamlessly into our lives, whether you have the iPhone, the iPad, the Mac, you know, the Apple Watch, you could do everything. Everything is syn synchronized, right? Also, people have ready-made access to us at all times, which is a problem in and of itself. But I bring all this up in essence to talk about nonconformity because where you will see people nonconforming are those Android users. I have my bestie is an Android user. I've been over on her for over 10 years. I've been on my bestie for years, years to switch it up and be an iPhone user. And she is adamant, adamant. She is not switching up. And let's think about this. All you iPhone users out there that know somebody who is rocking an Android, you know them to be some of the most stubborn people in the world of switching up. And they're right. They shouldn't switch up. Why should they conform to what everybody else is doing? Why? To make it easier for you to FaceTime them? There are other apps out there where you can FaceTime. Hell, I have a friend who has my phone number, who has an iPhone that never texts me, 
she's always DMing me and and Instagram. And when she calls me, she FaceTimes through Instagram. That's a feature that you can use that Android users can use. Like this idea that the people closest to us have to have an iPhone in order for us to communicate with them or talk to them is absolutely absurd and ridiculous. That's not the truth. And Android user, I know I have uh, two close friends that that use Androids. And I just found out another close friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a couple of years. Uh, she was up here to visit uh, in the DC area last week and I got to spend some time with her and she's an Android user. Now, most of the Android users I know personally are female, but I know there are absolutely male Android users. I'm just speaking from personal experience. Uh, stubborn as hell, not switching to iPhone, defiant even, saying I will never switch to iPhone. And when I think about it, the functionality of the iPhone and the Android is basically the same. Matter of fact, if you're a tech geek, if you're a tech geek, the ability to sideload apps onto your Android devices is so much easier than Apple. It really, really is. So is Apple really better than Android? We've just been brainwashed into thinking that Apple is better than Android. And I... I'm not going to switch because I am addicted to the iPhone and my Apple products. I like being able to be connected to my watch, even though I know that there are some watches that connect to Android phones and you can still have the same connectivity and features that an Apple watch has with other smart watches. I know this to be the case. I just don't want to switch to Android. That's I used to have an Android. I was adamant back in the day. Uh, of not switching to iPhone, of not being a performance, but just made life easier for me to switch to an iPhone. But I respect those people that are I that are Android users who are determined to never switch to the iPhone. You got to commend them instead of making fun of them and 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 joking on them because they're different in the green bubble. We should be praising them because they're standing on their square. They are dead set in their principles and they're not wavering for that. Is it? partly stubbornness. Yes. But also it's a part of not trying to be like everybody else. And this is where, you know, I am a little hypocritical. I would say by and large, I am a nonconformist, but there's two instances of which I do conform to what the masses deem as popular. One of them is my iPhone. The other one are my Jordans. I have well over 30 pairs of Jordans. I haven't bought uh, a new pair of Jordans since January of 2021. I say it's because I've matured and I don't, you know, I don't find the need to buy them anymore. The, the truth of the matter is it's just too hard to get them now um, unless I want to pay well over market price to get them on StockX. Um, these young kids out here beat me to the punch. These uh, resellers have beat me to the punch. Jordans is just too hard to get. And um, I'm not going to waste my time and my money to keep getting those shoes. But that is an example of me going into trends and going into popularity and conforming to what everybody deems is cool. Uh, I will say that, you know, just not to make this about me, but it is my damn show. I will say that when I did buy Jordans, very rarely did I buy the most popular Jordans. I kind of buy these obscure colorways that not a lot of people get, but I always get compliments on my shoes. And even, even people close to me be like, why'd you get those? Those aren't real popular. They're not real popular. That's the reason why I got it. But I tell you what, they're cool as hell on my feet. So this is my personal shout out to all the Android users and the non-conformists out there. Do your thing. If you want to keep rocking that green bubble, keep rocking it. 
I'm going to better myself and not thinking less of you just because you got that green bubble. Because like I said, some people really close to me got that green bubble. I still text them every day. I still love them. Nothing changed about it. It's ridiculous that we would even think that there is something weird about them because they had the Android. They just have a different phone. And in truth of the matter is, it's a freaking phone. Who cares? But continuing on in this non-conformist theme, I want to take a little time to talk about sports. Very rarely do I talk about sports on this show. Uh, am I a sports fan? Yes, I am. Not what I used to be. Uh, I used to be an avid sports fan. Sports ran my life. Um, I was a Bears fan, a Bulls fan. Anything that had to do with Shot Town, I was that. Uh, I was. In, I live in the D.C. area. I was never a Washington professional football team fan. I know they're called the Commanders now. I've always called them the Washington professional football team. I would never call them by the previous name. It was racist. Uh, contrary to what anybody else tries to say, the name is freaking racist. So that is what it is. But I never really rooted for them. I might now only because my favorite player of all time, Magic, Irvin Magic Johnson, is a part owner of the Washington Commanders. So maybe. But it used to be a time where I was such an avid fan of sports uh, that on Sundays, if my team lost and the Bears routinely lost, uh, I would be dejected for the next couple of days. And it got to a point as I got older, like, why do I care? Why do I care if my team wins or lose? It does not change the outcome of my day-to-day life unless I allow it to change it. So over the last couple of years, I mean, it's it, this is Sunday now. I'm filming the show now. The games are on. I will jump in there and turn on the red zone at a certain point. But, you know, it's, it's not a big deal to me. But going back to the theme of nonconformity, I want to talk about a, 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 f- a football coach now but a player that I was growing up that I, I thought he was cool. I wasn't a super fan of him, but he was cool and all. Um, but now I'm a huge fan of his college football team. And that is primetime Deion Sanders, the head coach of the Colorado, the University of Colorado football team. Uh, to give you a brief synopsis on him, if you don't know who he is, he was a two, two sports star uh, in the 80s and 90s playing both baseball and football. And when I say he played both, he didn't just play both. He was an all star in both. He is the arguably the greatest cornerback uh, to ever play football. He was a, a great baseball player. Uh, start, went to Florida State University uh, to, to play sports and primetime. Like, that's who he is. He's flashy. He's he's flamboyant. He's cool. Uh, I've always thought so. Um, and so he got a head coaching job at Jackson State University. That's a historically black college. He did really well for them for three years. Uh, then he moved mm, up is not the right word, but in essence, he did move up to uh this is this is I'm not going to say major college football but more mainstream college football how about that and coaching the University of Colorado and they didn't even have the money to pay him they did a crowdsourcing type of situation to pay him that's how much they wanted him now to give you backstory on the University of Colorado they have won national championships in the past they were a prestigious football university and fell on hard times so hard that last year before primetime became the head coach they had won one game they won one game last year primetime comes into the school there's a huge turnover in players and there's some argument of you know was that right or wrong this is what i will say and what most people don't understand about athletic scholarships. They're one-year renewables. 
when some when these kids go to school and they get a scholarship, it can be for four years. But at any time, the athletic department can pull that scholarship. It's a year-to-year renewable. There is there. I don't, I don't believe there's a such thing as getting a four-year scholarship in in college athletics. Uh, I don't believe that to be the case. It's a renewable. Typically, you have that. Most uh, most universities don't go back on that, but there are cases where universities go back on that. He went in and he said, hey, look, and, and he did it in a semi-nice way, but you guys are losers. So, you know, the best of the best I'm going to keep and, you know, the rest I'm going to get rid of and bring in my own players. And he did that. And right now they're four and three. Why do I bring him up about being a nonconformist? Because he is flashy. He's flamboyant. He's outspoken. Now, listen to the adjectives that I just used to describe them. These are typically adjectives that are used for black people to describe them as non-conforming and it's code. I did that specifically. It's code. It's code to, to basically say, hey, look, we invited you in to this. Be grateful that you're here. Sit back, shut up, do what we say. And you find this a lot in sports when these adjectives get thrown out about people that are black or white. Okay. If Tom Brady celebrates a touchdown by spiking the ball and yelling out, let's go, that's fire and determination, that's grit, that's celebrating victory. If Randy Moss does a dance in the end zone that's egotistical, that's self-centered, he's not about the team. Same thing. Bringing attention to yourself, the adjectives that are used to describe these people are completely different. And it's based on race. It really is. So Deion Sanders is the head football coach and his son uh, is the quarterback for the University of Colorado. And they're out there. Look, they're four and three right now. But four and three is a lot better than what they were last year. He's already four times better than what he was last year. And he'll build up the program the more and more he brings in his own players. Uh, But you see this kind of there's a kind of a, a hatred towards the program. Uh, and you could tell that in the ratings. His games have been the highest rated games in the season. And I know what it is because he's hitting a nerve. There are some people, especially in the black community, uh, well, some in the black community, because some in the black community are still a little agitated that he left a historically black college to go to, uh, you know, a, a school that's predominantly white. Um, so there are some people in the black community that don't rock with Dion. But me, for instance, I am super excited and, and have become a fan of the University of Colorado because he's bringing something different. He's shaking up the system and he's a nonconformist. So I'm out here looking for a University of Colorado starter jacket, a starter pullover jacket to rep the University of Colorado. I'm a fan and I'm rooting for him. But the reason why they're part of the highest rated football games this season is because on one side, there are people that want to see him succeed. On the other side, there are people that don't want to see him succeed. And once again, this comes back to we allowed you into this. I'm talking about certain groups of people. And you see this often in sports. You see this in your work life. You see this with anybody that's been marginalized. There are women out there that hold positions of power in a corporate world. And they have to behave a certain way. 
being deemed by the by people surrounding them. Uh, they can't be too outspoken. They can't be too forceful, even though a man can be that way. And and a deep rooted issue with this is that the people that hold the power are basically saying to you, hey, look, we let you into this club. Come in here, be good, shut up, don't make, don't make, don't rise up or rouse and ruffle any feathers or do anything like that. Just stay in your lane. And I love the fact that Dion has entered into this realm and said, no, we are going to be who we are. We're not going to hold on to these fake traditions that that you feel like that we need to hold on to. We're going to be brash. We're going to be bold. We're going to be outspoken. We're going to be us. And I love it. So the whole the whole point of this topic, talking about nonconformity, is to give a message that it's cool and it's all right to be an individual and to be yourself, to be your authentic self. And it's okay to step out against the masses just because everybody's going one way. doesn't mean that you have to go that way. Do what's best for you and forget about what other people say. Because at the end of the day, when we take our final breath, the only people that we got to answer to are ourselves and if you believe in it a higher power because the people that that complain about his here on while we're living they're not going with us right um so live your life do what you want to do be non-conformist go ahead and rock that android if you want to and Dion, go out there and keep being yourself hey there podcast listeners it's bruce anthony here and welcome to another episode of unsolicited perspectives today I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately, the importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves. Whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness or gearing up for festival seasons or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year, there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration, Liquid IV. Speaking of health and wellness, let's dive into how Liquid IV can fuel your well-being. Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, <laughs> let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouthwater and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C. It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest, but it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water 
and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated, and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives. Well, y'all know me. I've said it over and over and over again. I went to school to be a high school history teacher. I'm a history nerd. I love history. I feel like if you know history, you can see the trends and the patterns because history often repeats itself. You can see the trends and the patterns of society and the way life is moving. And maybe you get a better idea of how people will react to certain situations, what the outcomes will be. One of the reasons why um, I, this is very, this is very <laughs> egotistical. I, I don't know if it's egotistical. This is very self-absorbed, but I got a point to all this. Follow me. The reason why so many people come to me for advice or say that I give good advice is because I love history. And if you study history, you know that, you know, you know how people are going to react to certain situations, right? Um, and and, and in, in that being a historian, I can examine things as they are, because I mean, history is yesterday, right? History was last segment, right? Like history is the past. So what history, being a history major, what that does, being a historian, as my sister would say, being a historian, what that does is I have the ability to look at situations, examine them in the past or historical context, and be able to come up with probabilities of outcomes and how things are going to turn out. So that's the reason why, you know, people come to me for advice and, and how oftentimes I am right. Uh, <laughs> so much so that my ex-wife, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure she doesn't even know I have a show. So I, I don't think I'm throwing her under the bus. My ex-wife, uh, used to constantly have problems at work, uh, at her job. And I learned with being with her for so long, uh, and just people in general, that sometimes you just need to let people vent. You don't have to f solve all of their problems. Sometimes people just want to be heard. And so throughout our time together, I learned how to just shut up and listen because she just wanted to vent. And in the process of doing that, every now and then she would say, well, what do you think? And I, and I would say to her this one thing, I would say, do you want to know what I think will happen? Or do you want me to just, you know, back you up on whatever? She would say, no, I want you to tell me what you think will happen. And every single time I would tell her, well, this is going to happen. This person is going to do this. This person is going to do that. And this will be the final outcome. Every time I was right. It would also get to the point where <laughs> even though she didn't ask me what my opinion is or what I thought the outcome would be, she would come home. She would vent about work and she'd be so upset about work. She would just look at me and she was like, 
I know you know what the answer is. I know you're always right. What do you think is going to end up happening? And I would just tell her. So I, I don't know. I have a different type of insight. Uh, maybe because I look at things from a logical perspective, uh, I learn how to take emotion out of things. Uh, and I know how people can re- respond to things emotionally. Now, I bring all this up to talk about something that's important um, historically. So I live in the Washington, D.C. area, and you know I'm often walking the streets, and we have a lot of people from the LDS, that's the Mormon church, that are in the area. And I've even had, in my own career, I've had two people working for me that were Mormon. One asked me to go to church. I politely declined. Uh, one didn't try to ask me to go to church, never even really brought it up. Um, I knew that she was Mormon through her postings on Instagram. Um, how do I feel about the Mormon church? Hey, believe what you want to believe in, in regard, regardless of your religion, all of it is about faith. Because when you think about it, all of it seems a bit far-fetched, but it's about faith and you believe what you believe. I don't know which religion is right, which religion is wrong. They all are very, very, very similar. I mean, Mormons are Christians and and I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus Christ and the Lord and Savior and that that God exists. That's, those are my beliefs. I don't push my beliefs on other people. People can believe what they want to believe. It's not up to me to determine what people should or should not believe because I don't want people determining what I should and shouldn't believe. I don't judge. I don't uh, look down upon anybody. Do you? Because at the end of the day, my opinion about whatever you believe in or don't believe in doesn't really matter. It's all about you. It's about the previous segment. It's about you. It's about what you believe. So I never question it. But oftentimes I'm walking the street and I will have people from the LDS, the Mormon church, um, walk past me and be like, hey, would you like to go to church? And I always politely decline because uh, one, I don't go to church. Uh, I, I have my own way of being in my faith. And two, I just don't believe in what they believe in. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I just don't believe in what they believe in. And three, and this is the most important, I know the history of the Mormon church here in America. Uh, I know that the church has typically been pretty racist. Now, in the past, things have changed. I would say in the past. Uh, but the history of the Mormon church here in the United States, as far as when it comes to race relations has always been pretty bad, pretty problematic. I would also say just like the conversation, uh, the show I had a couple of weeks ago when I talked about evangelicals and the problem in the evangelical church right now and and Christian nationalism and white nationalism. Uh, these are all kind of issues that are wrapped up in uh, American religion, kind of no matter what religion that you're in there are always kind of these racial problems you have. You could be Baptist in the same city and there's a white Baptist church and a black Baptist church. Uh, the way black people typically, I'm sorry, I'm speaking in generalities here. Typically the way black people worship is different than the way white people worship. Uh, so that is what it is, but historical context here. I love reading and finding out new things about history. And recently I found out about the Wyoming 
Black 14. Let me explain. The Wyoming Black 14 were African-American members of the of the 1969 University of Wyoming football team who protested playing a game with Brigham Young University because of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, Day Saints ban on black men holding the priesthood in the church and other racial restrictions. Uh, the protest began on October 15th, 1969. That's the reason why I bring this up, because today is October 15th, 14th. This show will air on the 17th. So that's the reason why I'm bringing it up. It's the, I don't know, 1969, 69 was 11 years before I was born. So the 54th year, yes, the 54th anniversary. Okay, so the protest began on October 15th, 1969, when Willie Black, a 32 year old math graduate student and head of the Wyoming Black, the Wyoming's Black Student Alliance, upon learning of the LDS's ban on black male priests, brought a letter titled We Must Protest to University Administrators. The letter described the race issues of the Mormon church, including priesthood restrictions and other prohibitions, prohibit, prohibit, not prohibitions. Restrictions. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Speech impediment. Bear with me. Two days before the game against BYU, once again, these are 14 players on the Wyoming football team because Wyoming is playing BYU. Two days before the game against BYU, the 14 black players walked to the athletic complex to discuss options for how they might protest. They eventually decided to wear black armbands, but nevertheless compete in the game. However, on October 17th, the day before the game, Coach Eaton ordered the players to the bleachers where they were reprimand, where he reprimanded them and then released them from the team, revoking their athletic scholarships. Remember what I said, folks. Your athletic scholarship is not a four-year guaranteed situation. Your athletic scholarship can be revoked at any time. And that's what this coach, the head coach of the Wyoming football team, Coach Eaton, decided to do with these black 14 players because they were protesting the racial discrimination of the LDS, the Mormon church. The dismissal of the 14 players brought swift attention to the university, the WU or the University of Wyoming, I mean, the UW, dyslexia. The UW, the University of Wyoming Student Senate, passed a resolution which said in part that the actions of Coach Eaton and the Board of Trustees were not only uncompromising, but unjust and totally wrong. By the end of October, the University of Wyoming College of Arts and Sciences voted to support the student athletes. The protests of the Black 14 sparked nationwide focus on the LDS church practices and other protests by student athletes. Students at the campuses of almost every BYU opponent protested at the games, regardless of the sport, and called on their institutions to ban contests with the BYU athletics. Uh, so basically what, that, basically what happened was the Black 14 in Wyoming were uh, martyrs. OK, for a cause of bringing attention to the racial discrimination of the LDS church, period. Like it wasn't just Brigham Young University, right? It was the entire religion at that time. Not only were black people not allowed to be priests, black men specifically, because there are no women priests uh, in the Mormon church. That may have changed now. I had to do some research on that. But back then, absolutely not. OK, uh, and and most Black people who were members weren't allowed to enter the temples. They weren't allowed to enter the temples. Let me repeat that for a third time. 
members of the church were not allowed to go in and worship with other members. That's all I got to say, right? Um, and so the Black 14, because of their protests, brought so much attention to these racial discriminations that the LDS and the Mormon church had that every time BYU played another school, there were protests. And there were calls by the students of those schools that were playing BYU to not only not play them, uh, but to, to kick them out. Uh, in recent years, BYU has recognized the Black 14 um, and have honored them and, and understand their protest and how it helped the church. Now, when you're asking me, what was actually the LDS's policy and race relations before 1978? Now, this happened in 1969. In 78, there was a change. But what was the race relations before 1978? Well, let's give a little history of the Mormon church before then. From the mid-1800s until 1978, the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints, the LDS, did not ordain men of Black African descent to its priesthood or allow Black men or women to participate in temple uh, the church was established in 1830 during an era of great racial division in the United States. Y'all know about the 1800s, right? You know, 1800s, slavery, all that stuff. That was still a thing back then. Uh, despite, uh, despite the fact that they would baptize anybody, you still couldn't worship with them. Um, during the first two decades of the church's existence, a uh, few black men were uh, ordained to be priesthood. However, in 1852, President Brigham Young, uh, the school, the person in which the school that the black 14 were protesting. OK. And so there were some black priests before 1852. However, in 1852, President Brigham Young publicly announced that men of black African descent can no longer be ordained in the priesthood. The policy meant that people with any black African ancestry could not hold the priesthood in the LDS church and could not participate in most temple ordinances, including the endowment and celestial marriage. Uh, this restricted lasted from the presidency of the Brigham Young until 1978. So. Until this dude died, no, I mean, obviously he didn't live 126 years, uh, but it lasted until 1978. Uh, just to let you guys know that there are some some black priests now that uh, that black people are now allowed in the temple to worship, but it's all because of the black 14. So back to the theme of being a nonconformist. Here we go again. These were people that were saw an injustice, not something that they were privy to personally, but I mean, Wyoming in 1969, I'm sure they, they, you know, it wasn't easy for them. Um, but them learning that, Hey, you know, this, this religion discriminates outwardly against black people we can't rock with that. And they decided to protest. And that protest brought about change. I think the LDS is even better for that. I'm not an LDS member. I don't know what it's like in the church. I will say that they will absolutely walk up to me and offer to bring me to church. Also, part of the reason why they discriminated against Black people back in the day 
is because they said black people had to mark a cane. I don't know if they still believe that. Maybe they're trying to come and save my soul because um, I got the mark of cane on me because I'm black. Uh, that's what they used to believe. I don't know that to be the case now. I should probably, you know, talk to some Mormon people, but I would like to talk to Mormon black people to find out what it is like for them in the church. Now, I know when I went to Hawaii, there were a lot of uh, people in the LDS in Hawaii, and there were a lot of Hawaiians that were part of the LDS. Um, So that was interesting. Um, But yeah, no, it's this is being nonconformist means that you could bring about change. And the Wyoming 14 did just that. They brought about change. And I thought this was really interesting. You can read up more about it. Just Google it. The Wyoming 18 to find out more about it and Google Mormon faith. Find out find out more if you have faith, if you are religious and you don't know about other religions. Do some research, find out about other religions, uh, you know, learn more, expand your mind. Uh, that doesn't mean that you had to agree with it, but you might find some some elements of the religion that you want to incorporate into your own personal life. Uh, so who knows? But also, like I said, being a nonconformist can bring attention to things that most people don't know about and you can bring about change. So salute to those Wyoming 14, uh, 53, 54 years ago, they brought about change in the LDS church. Took a little while, went from 1967 to 78 before they finally changed things, but change is a slow moving progress, a slow moving uh, train. And uh, the only point is that you get there. That's the most important thing. So that's a little history lesson from me to you. Next up, we're gonna talk about my crazy ass building. All right. My crazy ass building. Look, (laughs) I have some characters that live in my building and maybe I'm a character too, right? Like maybe I'm a character too. Maybe other people look at me and be like, Bruce is a character, but I legitimately have some characters that live in my building. It just seems like a lot of them live on my floor. seems like a lot of them are my actual neighbors and I got to be careful so that my neighbors don't actually hear what's going on because my studio is in my place. But, uh, so there are a couple of people in the building because I've been living here. This is actually the longest place I've ever lived in my entire life. You know, I, if you guys listen to the 50th episode, you know that I've moved around a lot in my life. This is the longest place that I've ever lived in my entire life. And in that process, I know a lot of people in the building don't know their names because at a certain point saying hello to everybody and being introduced and you get their name and you forget it. After two or three years, you just say, hey, man, or hey, how you doing? Or hey, how you doing, ma'am? And just stuff like that. That's that is what it is. Like, I don't know these people's names and uh, it's too late for me to ask. So I'm not going to ask. It's just, hey, man, and how you doing? And besides, I really don't want too many people being my friend in my building because I don't like random people knocking on my door trying to ask me, what am I doing? I'm chilling. That's what I'm doing. But I got a couple of couple of guys in the building that want to be my friend. I don't know why. Like, do I think I'm a cool person? Yeah, I think, you know, I got something to say and, you know, I got some jokes every now and then. I don't I don't know why these people want to be my friend. And they're like not in my age. There's one dude. I'm not going to say his name, but he's like 10 years older than me. And he was like, hey, man, let's get together and hang out sometime. Maybe go to a game or something. I don't want to do that. One, we don't have nothing in common. Like, okay, he's out there and he want to meet women, but we're not after the same women. And if we were at the same women, we'd be competing because he's not my boy. And so it's not going to be like if cool or even fair, 
<laughs> right? Because, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I don't know if y'all see the, the video version. I'm not an ugly man. Let's just put it that way. I'm not an ugly man. And so it's just like, no, I, I don't want to hang out with him. And he goes and he works out at the same gym that I work out at. And he's a creeper. My homegirl, that's a, a, a personal trainer at the gym that I work out, talks all the time about how he's just I effing her. Uh, this is the main show, so I can't say the F word. But, you know, he's eyeballing her, looking at her up and down, just lusting for her. And don't get me wrong. Like, I had this conversation before. I do the same thing, but not so blatant. Every woman in there that I talk to, they make a comment and they say, you don't ever stare or, or look at us and, like, and, and you know, I'll go over us. And I'm like, I do. You just don't see it because I've been in the the gym industry for a long time. I know how to get my quick, quick look, get my little peep peep and then go in about my business and not make you uncomfortable. Um, I mean, if you're looking good, I'm going to take a look. But he's like he's very, very obvious. And I'm like, no, I don't want to hang out with you. Like, no. And so I just avoid him. He's got my phone number, too, because one day he caught me and he's like, hey, man, let me get your number. Let me call you sometime. Luckily, he's never called me. Uh, I'd never want him to call me. And if he does call me, I will ignore it because uh, I've done that before. There was a gentleman that every now and then I'll train a client in my building. And there was a gentleman that that knows that, you know, I train people and he came up to me with this business ID. He said, hey, this is what I'm doing as far as personal training. I want to develop a personal training national network and blah, blah, blah. Maybe this would be something interested and I'm pitching it to get money for it, uh, for it from other investors. Here's a, here's a video. Take a look at it when you get a chance. And and he was like, hey, give me your phone number. I'll text it to you. And and this is my fault. I need to stop giving my phone number out. I need to start saying, hey, I don't know my phone number or something, or I'm not real comfortable giving my phone number out. I'm not that forward and direct. I don't want to hurt people's feelings, even if it makes me uncomfortable. I'll just ignore you. So he did. He sent me a text and he sent me the video. I did not watch it. Uh he sent a follow-up text to see if I watched it. I did not respond to either one of his texts. And I randomly saw him in the gym and acted like the whole situation didn't happen. Why? Because I didn't ask for it. And you know what? You should leave me alone. So that's just how I feel about those situations. But those aren't weird people. Some of my direct neighbors, and I got to talk low down here. I'm going to get real close to the microphone and talk kind of low because some of my direct or major uh, neighbors can actually hear about it. One of my neighbors right across the hall from me, uh, does a lot of praise in the Lord, and there's nothing wrong with that. I praise the Lord too. She'd be talking in tongues sometimes and praising real loud and so loud that th- our building was constructed in 2007, 2008. So it's really good at blocking out sounds. Like I don't really hear my neighbors, and my neighbors don't really hear me because she lives directly across the hall. Her door can be closed, my door can be closed, and I can hear. Everything she's saying as far as her prayer and speaking in tongues. And, you know, she's a sweet woman. Uh, I, I, she's, you know, every time I see her, I say hello. She's very kind. All that good stuff. At the same time, the speaking in tongues stuff kind of a little different. I'm not going to knock a person for how they practice their faith. All I'm saying is. It's a little different and it'd be throwing me off. I don't necessarily want to hear that. Uh, but, you know, I mean, maybe she says a couple of prayers for me. I'll take all the, the prayers and, and good wishes that I could get because everybody know I'm a heathen. <laughs> but that's not the tip of the iceberg. Here is the tip of the iceberg. So the tip of the iceberg is my neighbor. 
Now, let me just give a little background. Uh, she's a woman that's my age, uh, that's married to a much older man. And they do a lot of fighting, not physical. At least I haven't heard anything, but they do a lot of fighting. Yelling and screaming. She's another one who will be real loud in her apartment, but I hear it. I hear it in the, in the hallways and it's like, okay, whatever, you know, do you boo boo that ain't on me. But one time I got a note slipped under my door. I hope she doesn't pay attention to the podcast, but you know what? I don't care. This was really, really unsettling. So I don't care. So she slips a note under my door. And she's talking about how she doesn't have a lot of friends and that, uh, you know, she would like to be my friend. She tells me her background and where she's from and where she's from and, 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 you know, leaves her number and says, hey, give me a call sometime so we could be friends. Now, let me give you some context to this. She had moved in probably a year previously and I was dating somebody and the person I was dating was over my house a lot. I would say it was over my house. It was guaranteed she was uh, the person I was dating was over my house um, two days a week during the week that she just stayed with me. And, and, and like almost every other weekend she was here all weekend. So it was a lot of times she was over my house. She had a presence here in the building, the whole nine, everybody knew that we were dating. We break up. She's not around anymore. And little people started taking, you know, shots, females in the building started taking shots, realizing that, uh, if she's not around anymore, we're probably not together. Nobody asked me directly. Few people did. Actually, a few people did. Let me take that back. Asked me directly, uh, but my neighbor never did. She just knew that she wasn't around. Uh, she was probably she probably saw when when the girl I was dating picked up her stuff from my place for the last time. So she didn't reach out at all when I was dating this girl, but she does now when the girl is no longer around. And she writes a note trying to be my friend when she has a husband. But she doesn't stop me in the hallways or anything like that to talk to me or really acknowledge me that much around her husband. This is kind of like, hey, do you want to be friends? Kind of like a secretive kind of thing because she's writing me a letter. And it's a really long letter. It's written on like a piece of paper. It's front to back. I could barely make it out. I would read it on air, uh, but I'm not going to do that. And it's just, it's, it's different. I don't like calling things weird. I'll say unique or different. This letter was different and unique. And so I ignored it. I was like, uh, I'm not getting caught up in no mess. These are directly my next door neighbors. They're a married couple. No way. I don't want nothing to do with this ever. Didn't respond back. She left a phone number. I didn't call back, didn't text. Wasn't going to do it. But I kept the letter. <laughs> as evidence, just in case something ever went down. Next day I wake up, there's another letter underneath my door. And it was kind of an apology for the previous long letter, but still asking to be my friend. It was all very different and unique. Uh, I did not respond to that letter, but realizing that this person lives directly next to me. Um, so what do I do to avoid this person at all costs? I start taking the stairs. I start ducking the hallways because I'm not trying to run into this person because it's extremely awkward. And guess what? I see their husband all the time. 
right? Like I see the husband anytime I'm trying to duck around just for some strange reason. He's like always there. And he obviously clearly doesn't know that she wrote me this letters because he's just like, hey, man, how you doing? Or he does know, which makes it a little bit more different and unique. Either way, I don't want no part of none of this. Uh, eventually, a couple of months later, I'm in the gym and she comes down to the gym and says she wants to apologize, you know, for everything. And I was like, OK, you know, no problem. Water under the bridge. But we ain't never gonna be friends. I, never, I didn't say that to her. But that's the way I feel. It's I almost said weird. Uh, you know what? No, I'm just going to put that out there. It is absolutely weird. It's weird and different. And everybody close to me, I've actually shared the letters to. And not, not to put her under the bus. You know, she could have been going through something and just wanted a friend. I didn't want to be a friend. I'll be real clear. There's only like a couple people that's in my building that I actually am cool with. But the, the craziness in my building doesn't stop there. So on my floor, which is, like I said, I have a friend that lives in the building. And he says, all the all the people that are different live on your floor. And I'm like, yeah, all the people different live on my floor. It was an older lady. And, you know, she was very elderly and, and needed some help. And every now and then uh, she would catch me in the, all, in the hallway and ask for help. One time she asked me to, like, help her change the channel on a television. Yeah, it was one of them type of situations. Like, can you help me change the channel? And I'm like, you got the remote? Just it's right there. Just push the remote. Yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to find. And I was like, I don't know what you're trying to find. I don't, I don't know what you got going on. She was, I was like, what shows do you watch? And they were some different shows. And I was like, I don't know what channel this is on. And I don't pay attention to channels. Uh, Ma'am, if you can give me a little bit more direction, I can help you. And I helped her. Uh, we did. We found a show. And there have been other times she caught me in the hallway. There was one time I was with my cousin. And she asked me, so, you know, she caught me and my cousin in the hallway. I was drunk as a skunk about to head to the strip club. You know, that's because what that's what me and my cousin do. We go to the strip club when we get too drunk. And uh, I'm just coming in to take my dog out and then uh, head back on out. And she caught me in the hallway and she had me in her apartment moving stuff for about an hour. I was all sweaty. I was like, bro, I need to take a shower before I go to the strip club. I, I'm all sweaty and stuff. Um, it got to a point, though where she knew where I lived because I'm right off of the elevators. So people see me get off the elevators, walking straight to my place. It got to a point where I'd be in my place and my doorbell rang. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I have unexpected visitors, there's an overwhelming sense of anxiety and dread that comes over me. I tiptoe to the door to look through the peephole and I figure out who it is because I'm always thinking for some strange reason. I don't know what it is, probably because I have an incredible, overwhelming fear, fear of going to jail. I always think it's the cops coming to my door. And I believe the cops have come to my door one time in my entire life. Uh, and it was because of my brother. It wasn't because of me. But I still had that fear. So when there's an unexpected visitor, I'm always thinking it's the cops. They've come to get me for whatever crime that I'm going to be falsely accused of and have to spend the next 20, 30 years or life in prison. It's an irrational fear. I understand this, but I go to the door and it's her and she's ringing my doorbell. And I know that she's about to ask me to come do something to her house in her house. And I don't answer the door. I pretend that I'm not there. And you know what? I don't feel ashamed about it because the last thing that I want is anybody to have that easy access to me to think that they could just come directly to my door, knock on the door and get me to help them out in any way that they want me to help them out. I love helping people. I do. It gives me great pleasure and great joy on my time. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the truth. It's the truth. I love helping people on my time. 
I'm not going to go out of my, I, there are, I, I will go out of my way for the people that I really truly care about. This is a stranger. I don't know her name. I, I just call her ma'am. I like, I didn't know her name. There was no time when we were formally introduced. I helped her out a couple of times. And then, then she felt the need to be able to knock on my door asking for help. She just moved out recently because it, her loved ones probably realized that she can't live on her own. But I wasn't going to be the caretaker to help her out all the time. Look, I, I feel like I'm a decent human being, but there's a point in which I'm no longer decent and I'm not going and I'm not going to help out. And she had passed that point where she is randomly knocking on my door. I'm chilling. It was a one time. It was a, one time. It was a Sunday fun day. Yeah. Look, everybody know don't bother me on no Sunday fun day. Do not bother me on no Sunday fun day. I'm not going to answer the door. Jesus could come to the door. Well, if Jesus comes to the door, I'm going to go ahead and answer that one, even if it is on Sunday fun day. You answer the door. If the cops come to the door, first of all, the cops can knock on my door. I just not realize I ain't got to acknowledge that I'm there, even if they knock on my door. They could be coming to tell me that I just somebody left me a billion dollars, uh, some, some long since ancestor that I didn't know, a relative that I didn't know about. Look, if it's that important, you can leave a notice on my door. I'll read it later. But I'm not answering that door. Look, don't come to my door. Don't knock on my door unexpectedly. Don't do it. And I got a doorbell too. People ringing that doorbell, that shocks the hell out of me. Don't do that. That lady came up here asking for help. You know, I'd helped her before. I, I wasn't willing to, to give her that type of access in which she could come to me at any time that she wanted and needed help. No. Catch me when I'm coming on off the elevator and in the hallways. And that's cool. Also, my building got a lot of people that like to talk. I get it. I run this podcast. I've been talking for over 45 minutes, 50 minutes straight, just talking, right? So I can talk. Me and my sister brought it up on the last episode. I can talk. I can get it. And if you catch me in a happy mood, I'll talk to you. And there's a lot of times on my Sunday fun day that in between, you know, around four, five, six o'clock, I like to take my little evening walk. I've had a little to drink. I'm a lot more friendly when I've had a little to drink. Some people think that that's my personality all the time. It is not. It is not my personality all the time. I am way more friendly when I've been drinking. When I've been drinking and you catch me in decent decent mode, I'm out there getting ready to hit my walk, you can get a full-fledged conversation out of me. It could be more than, hey, how you doing? Have a good day. Most of the time, it's, hey, how you doing? Have a good day. So part of this is on myself that a lot of people want to be friendly with me on times that I don't feel like talking. Um... Uh, and, and, and it's because they've caught me where times that I have felt like talking and it's only because I've been drinking. But my building, I, I, I'm thinking that I need to move out of my building. I, 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 I think I, I need to move out because people are becoming too friendly. I need to move back out to where somebody, nobody knows me. Nobody knows my name. I love going to the bar where nobody knows me and I could go to the bar by myself, sit at the bar and I have a choice. I can either talk to the people around me or not talk to the people around me. I like the people watch. But sometimes I don't like the people interact and it's really hard not to people interact with people that you see three, four times a week because y'all all live together. You can't be rude because you never know what may happen in the future. So that's my crazy ass building. I got some people in here to do crazy stuff. And another thing it's a non-smoking building. I smoke weed, ladies and gentlemen, I smoke weed and I do edibles. But I do not smoke in my place. Why? Because it's a non-smoking building. 
even if I smoke a pre-roll and that's what I'd like to do, smoke a pre-roll because I can't roll it that well myself. Even if I smoke a pre-roll, I go outside in the designated smoking sections. I'm getting to the point now where I'm old. I just want to sit on my balcony and chill. I really hate when my neighbors are smoking weed. I, I really hate it. I don't like the smell when I'm not smoking. When I'm not smoking, just it stinks. When I'm smoking, I can take it. When I'm not smoking, it stinks. And you ain't supposed to be smoking in your place. You smoke smoke outside. I don't care if it's outside on your balcony. That's still a non-smoking area. It has to be outside smoking in a designated area. And people just don't follow the rules. Now, I know what y'all are going to say. Bruce, the entire episode has been about non-conformity. Yes, true. This is a non-conformity. This is being an asshole to all your neighbors, okay? That's not the same thing. When I talk about being a nonconformist, I'm talking about just doing what's best for you, but I'm not talking about hurting other people or bothering other people while you're doing what's best for you. You got to have some consideration for the other people involved, right? And my neighbors don't have consideration. My neighbors don't have consideration for my nostrils, my time, or my distance and respect. They don't have consideration. And so I decide to just hide. I go upstairs. I avoid people. I always have my headphones on, even when I'm listening to nothing, because I don't want to speak to people. And that's the truth. Even though I love people, I don't want to speak to people. And I definitely don't want to speak to any of my different or unique, aka weird ass neighbors. (laughs) But on that note, I want to thank you for listening to the episode. Once again, as always, check us out on our website, unsolicitedperspectives.com, where you can get all of the audio and video podcasts, our blogs. I need to write a few more because I haven't been writing them in a, in, in a while. Uh, all of our YouTube shorts. If you're not on our YouTube page, which, by the way, subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, if you're not on our YouTube page, you know, we have shorts, clips from all the episodes. You can watch the live episodes live. Well, not live episodes, the video versions of the episodes. Follow us uh, on our Patreon where you can get uns- after hours uncensored and talking straight ish. I haven't done a talking straight ish in a while because now I'm doing these private shows, but I'll get back on there. I, I got a feeling I'm going to do a talking straight ish uh, because Pete Davidson did really, really something important on SNL. And I want to talk about it and examine it, but I think that needs to be behind the paywall when I talk and examine it. But on that note, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And until next time, as always, I'll holler. Woo! That was a hell of a show. Thank you for rocking with us here on Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Now, before you go, don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, comment, and share our podcast wherever you're listening or watching it to it. Pass it along to your friends. If you enjoy it, that means the people that you rock with will enjoy it also. So share the wealth, share the knowledge, share the noise. And for all those people that say, well, I don't have a YouTube. If you have a Gmail account, you have a YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can actually watch our video podcast. But the real party is on our Patreon page, After Hours Uncensored and Talking Straight-ish. After Hours Uncensored is another show with my sister and once again the key word there is uncensored those are exclusively on our patreon page jump onto our website at unsolicitedperspective.com for all things us that's where you can get all of our audio video our blogs and even buy our merch and if you're really feeling genuine and want to help us out you can donate on our donations page donations go strictly to improving our software and hardware so we can keep giving you guys good content that you can 
clearly listen to and that you can clearly see. So any donation would be appreciative. Most importantly, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and watching and supporting us. And I'll catch you next time. Audi 5000. Peace.